Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Now, last night, we um, read in the scripture that our attitude is to be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who counted himself nothing when he became man as the son of God. The son of God became the son of man. Now, we have to be careful when we're thinking of a subject like this that we don't confine what we're thinking to some kind of spiritual bubble so that when we come before the Lord in prayer or here for the 8 o'clock or at any other time, we sort of acknowledge our nothingness. And then at the end of the prayer time, we get back to the real world. That's the way that some Christians think and, and act. It's as if there are certain truths that they can acknowledge in the prayer room but don't necessarily get expressed in the rest of their lives. What we have to understand is that what the scripture was describing about Jesus in in, uh, Philippians 2 was not how Jesus regarded himself in some kind of spiritual bubble, but this was his way of life that in the whole of his life and his ministry, he counted himself nothing. So this is to become an attitude of heart, not something confined to the prayer time. His reason, of course, for counting himself as nothing because he knew that he had to depend completely, wholeheartedly, 100% upon the Father. That apart from the Father, he could do nothing, just as apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So he knew that it was essential for him to remain in that place of submission of surrender to the Father, his whole purpose was therefore to glorify the Father. In everything that he said and did, to reveal the Father, to glorify the Father, he had to produce in his life the fruit for which the Father had sent him. So he made possible for the children of the devil to become children of God. And you remember that Jesus made it clear to all those who rejected the gospel that the devil was their father. So Jesus came on a rescue mission 
to rescue people from the fatherhood of the devil that God may become their father, to bring them into the fatherhood of God. And only Jesus could accomplish that. And we know well that it was necessary for him to make his life sacrifice on the cross to overcome the devil, to make it possible for us to receive forgiveness and be brought into a place of full acceptance before God in order that we might become the sons of God or the children of God. You turn for a moment to Galatians chapter 4. Paul says this in verse 4, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, you are no longer a slave but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. And you've heard me say before that whether we're male or female, we're sons of God in the sense that we are heirs with Christ, we have the first right of inheritance. Now all that, of course, is the love of and the grace of God. Jesus knew about his sonship. He knew that he was a son of God. He, he had come from heaven. But he knew, you see, that he could never operate independently of his father. See, while he was in heaven before he became man, he was the word that the father spoke. The word could not be spoken without the Father speaking the word. So Jesus was used to this complete unity he had with the Father and that he could never operate independently of the Father. Now he becomes man. That same principle is going to be put to the test in a totally different way. Because it was one thing for him to be the word of God that brought all creation into being. But now he was sharing our weakness. He was counting himself nothing. He was humbling himself. He was becoming as a servant. He was being tempted in every way just as we are. God didn't spare him from rejection and persecution, from hatred and all the negative things that were leveled against him. Within the context of all that, Jesus had to continue to be completely at one with the Father by being in that same attitude of surrender to the Father so that he never did anything independently of the Father. So we, we see him drawing aside as the man of prayer that he was, in order to get his direction from the Father, which was often totally different from 
that which the disciples would have thought was the right thing for Jesus to do. Like, for example, at Capernaum after that night when everybody was healed, Jesus was up early the following morning, off praying by himself in a lonely place. They came looking for him because all the people were expectant of having another great day of blessing. And Jesus said, no, no, the Father has sent me to go to all the other villages. We're going to go to all the other little places. He has sent me for everyone, not just the people in the towns, not just those who have already been blessed. So Jesus was, as far as the disciples were concerned, often doing the unpredictable, but not as far as the Father was concerned. He was conscious all the time of being directed by the Father because his whole purpose was to glorify the Father and to fulfill the purpose for which the Father sent him. So Jesus draws around him, around himself, a number of disciples. And he's teaching them to live by the same principles by which he himself was living. That was what a rabbi or a master or a teacher did with the disciples. As you know, it's not just getting them to believe teaching, but that they would adopt the way of life of their teacher. So Jesus' concern was that all his disciples would adopt the same way of life by, by, that Jesus himself was living. So in other words, he wanted them to live by to live to glorify the Father by fulfilling the will of God, the will that the Father had for the sons of God as well as he had for the Son of God. So all that matters, as far as God is concerned in our lives, is whether we fulfill the plan and the purpose that he has for us, whether we actually respond to his call to be the children of God, to be the sons of God, who are led by the Spirit of God. So Paul says in this scripture that we just read, it's the spirit that enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit is all the time directing us to the Father. Uh, Abba is, of course, the like Dada, Papa, a simple word for young children to say. But Jesus wasn't really telling the disciples to relate to the father as dad in a kind of informal way. Because whenever he speaks of the father or prays to the father himself, it's always with the deepest respect. Heavenly father, father in heaven, holy father, righteous father. It's quite a common thing these days for preachers to say, you know, we have a heavenly dad. Well, in a sense we do, but we don't relate to him in that sort of loose way. 
but with the deepest respect because this father is the one whom we love but who we also fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you see, what you see in the life of Jesus is that he lived in the love of his father, completely dependent upon his father, knew that the father would never fail him, knew that the father would always provide him with the words to speak, would always show him what the father was doing so that Jesus could then do what he saw the father doing. He knew he could depend completely upon the faithfulness of his father. And yet at the same time, you see, in humble submission, he counted himself nothing and he lived in the fear of God, in the fear of his father, not wanting to grieve him, not wanting to displease him, not wanting to do anything in his life that would be opposed to the will of his father or that would cause any tension or any division between the father and the son. Because just as the father and the son were one in heaven, so the father and son had to be one here on earth. And the amazing, the amazing purpose that God had and still has is to bring the sons of God, the children of God, into that same unity. And you remember that before he went to the cross, this is what Jesus was actually praying for. That those who believe in him may be one, as the Father and the Son are one. That just as the Father is in the Son and the Son is the Father, so we would be as believers in the, in the Son and therefore in the Father. That we are incorporated into this glorious unity with God. And it's that unity that we could never deserve because in and of ourselves we are nothing. It's totally the work of his spirit within us. And it's that unity that gives us the access to the throne of God. Now, we know well the scripture in Hebrews that speaks about coming into that most holy place. In chapter 10, verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now what do you think the writer is talking about? Is he talking about what you do when you pray and when you worship? Or is he talking about where you live? You see, there's nothing in that scripture about prayer. What he is saying is that the blood of Jesus has opened up the way for us to be one with God 
in the heavenly holy of holies, which is where we now belong. Now, of course, when we pray and when we worship, we can be mindful that that is our position. That is the place from which we are to worship. That is the place from which we are to pray. But I don't believe for a moment that God's purpose is that we are only in that position when we worship and when we pray. That what Jesus has done is open up an entirely different kind of relationship for those who are the sons of God. Because, you see, we live in Christ, we abide in him, we rest in him, we remain in him, and where is he? You see, he is in the glory of heaven. And this is why the scripture says that that God sees us seated with him in heavenly places. Not, that's not a future thing. It's something that he sees now. Because we're in the one who is seated in heavenly places. We don't visit Jesus and are placed in him simply when we're praying and when we're worshiping. This is where we live. When Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me, live in me, he, he was talking about that, continue to live in me. Don't just visit me when you're praying. So all these great truths are truths about us as, as the children of God and about the lifestyle to which God calls us and that he has made possible. That lifestyle is totally impossible for any human being. The only person who can ever live the life to which God calls us is Jesus. The only way in which we can therefore glorify the Father is by living in Jesus, by being submitted to him so that the Father will then be glorified in our lives. So this is why Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't live as a Christian. You can't, you can't live to glorify the Father. You can't live to honor me outside of me. You can only do it by remaining in me. Now, what we have to remember is, as we saw a little bit last night, the father is the gardener, the father is the vine dresser. He's the one who looks after the vine. He's the one that puts you in the vine. Jesus didn't put you in the vine. The father did that. The father took hold of your life, put you into the vine. Jesus puts it in this way, that <coughs> excuse me, the Father gave you to Jesus. And what Jesus will do is to present you back to the Father at the time of judgment, made perfect, having completed the purpose for which God has called you, chosen you, and saved you. 
So we live in Christ now, who all the time is one with the Father. The Father and I are one. They are inseparable. So the only way in which we can please the Father and fulfill the destiny to which he's called us, the only way in which we can glorify him is by remaining in Jesus, resting in him. And as God was teaching us last term, that means that we live in the Sabbath rest of God. We we have come to the end of our own labor, that there's nothing we can do to produce the fruit that God wants to see in the branch, in the branches of the vine. It has to be the activity, it has to be the work of God himself by his spirit working through the vine, producing the fruit in the branches that remain. Fruitless branches are cut out because they're not fulfilling the purpose of God and are not glorifying the Father. Jesus made that very clear. However you want to interpret that, it's what he said. So the whole purpose of the vine is fruitfulness. And the fruitfulness that God wants to see in the sons is the same as the fruitfulness that he wanted to see in his son. He sent him with the message, the life, the power, the authority of the kingdom to see that the kingdom will come and the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think of what is called the Lord's Prayer. Now, Jesus gave this as a pattern of prayer, not just something to be, you know, tripping off our tongues. But it's really a kind of pattern for prayer. How does it begin? It begins with the Father, our Father, our Heavenly Father, which immediately gives birth to praise. Hallowed, holy, praised, glorified is your name. Then, of course, the whole focus is on the purpose of God. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then Jesus comes to the needs that the children of God have. Forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. And so on, lead us not into temptation. But you see... Jesus is teaching us that the whole focus of prayer is to be first and foremost on the will of God, not on ourselves. We so often begin prayer by focusing on ourselves and our needs. And Jesus says, no, no, everything is to be focused on the Father, the one to whom you're praying, on his will on his kingdom, on his will being done on earth, therefore, in your life, as it is in heaven. And within that context, 
then God forgives and is merciful and gives us our daily bread and so on and so on, everything that we need in order to fulfill the call of God on our lives. But it's getting the priorities right. Everything is focused around the kingdom. So what is our job as the children of God? The same as Jesus, to rescue people from the dominion of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of the son he loves. To rescue people whose father is the devil and to bring them under the fatherhood of God. That is the mission of the church. That is what God desires of his church everywhere all the time. That is always the principal focus. Now, of course, having rescued people, the commission is then to make disciples of them because when they're disciples, they will then go and rescue many others. So there's to be a kind of a knock-on effect. And although not all are evangelists, all are witnesses. Witnesses of how God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, has given us, as the sons of God, all the life, the power, and authority that we need in order to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as in heaven. Now there are a whole variety of ministries which all are aimed at fulfilling that same purpose. And our purpose isn't to talk about all those different ministries at this time. <clears throat> but simply to, to understand that whatever the nature of the particular call or ministry to which God calls us, it's all part of that one overriding purpose. The reason why the Father sent his Son was on this rescue mission. to bring people out from under the devil's domain and into the rule, the sovereign rule and the reign of God. That is fruit that lasts because to those who are the sons of God is given the eternal life of God. That's what it means to be saved, to have received the gift of God's eternal life. So his plan and purpose for us is to live that eternal life here on earth, that kingdom life. Now, why are we talking about these things this morning? I think every one of us in this room would love to experience revival. I've had the pleasure of and the joy and the privilege of that in several phases during my ministry, but nothing can compare with that. But God never sends revival because people want revival. He never sends revival because 
people want an encounter with God. There has to be the right motivation behind encounter, behind what people are doing in relation to God. And that purpose is always to see the kingdom of God extended. To put it simply, God sends revival where there is a passion for souls to be saved. I don't mean just a gentle thought, but a passion, a longing, almost a desperation, a willingness to put lives, our lives on the line in order that that may be the effect, the fruit. Now, we can praise God for those that we see coming to the Lord at present. Everyone is precious. Everyone is a miracle because to be delivered from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom is in itself a supernatural act that only God himself can do. But we would also have to be absolutely honest and say that the number of people that we see coming is insignificant compared with what God is able to do and with what God wants to do and actually what God is promising to do in the various prophetic words that he's given us. And I don't believe that God ever holds up his purpose. He never puts anything in the way to hinder his purpose. The fault, if you like, is never with God, but only with his children. And it isn't a matter, you see, of looking at ourselves. I said that again and again last term. That it's a self-defeating thing when you're seeking God to look at yourself because you're actually seeking the one you look at. If you look at yourself, you're seeking yourself. You're not seeking the Lord. And that became abundantly clear in what God was saying to us last night. That if we're nothing, why spend your prayer time contemplating nothing? Your eyes need to be on the one who is something, who is somebody, who is the only one who can actually enable us to fulfill the will and the purpose of God. The one who has called us, the one who has chosen us, the one who has made us the sons of God, the children of God. And so seeking the Lord is not trying to find him, but it's being in that place of absolute surrender to him. Because you see, one of the laws of the kingdom with which we're very familiar is the measure you give is the measure you get back. The only way to see more of the activity of God and of his spirit in your life is for you to give more of yourself to him so that he can give back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. 
It's always God's purpose that you give first and then he gives the abundance. He never gave you new life until you have surrendered your life to him. You had to surrender your life to him first, then he gave you his life. It's always the purpose of God. You give and then he gives back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But you don't get the running over life. You don't get the overflowing life until you first give. So, you know, as we come before God, it's not to focus on ourselves and to look at ourselves and, and to lament the fact that, that we're such a miserable bunch of failures or anything like that. It's, all that is just pure negativity that gets us absolutely nowhere. If we know and we are convinced of our nothingness in and of ourselves and that we cannot do anything in and of ourselves to please God, then all we can do is surrender ourselves to him so that he can come and take over. He can really rule and reign in us. The Holy Spirit can really have his way, that the fullness of his life can truly be expressed in our lives. So encounter with God is simply putting yourself in the way of God. So that everything that he wants to pour into your life, he is able to pour into your life without any hindrance, without any reserve. And I believe with all my heart that during these next three weeks, these 21 days of prayer and fasting, God wants to keep pouring himself out. The only word that we will need is just to keep everybody in that place of focusing on him and not on themselves. When we have our encounter evenings, we have to remember that not everybody has had the benefit of, of the times that we have here at 8 o'clock, but there are many mature believers in, in the church who know how to encounter God and how to really seek him, but, of course, since our last time of prayer and fasting last January, there have been many added to the church for whom this is something completely new and different, with which they will not be familiar necessarily. And, of course, what God wants to do is to draw the whole body together and to lead the body forward together as one. And that can only be through the genius of the Holy Spirit. And... You know, you have to go at the level at which the Holy Spirit is leading, not at the level that necessarily, not at the speed even, that you want to go at. Because his purpose is only going to be fulfilled through the body, not just through individuals within the body. So we can expect the Holy Spirit to work his great blessing and anointing but I believe that really, I think I'm in the place of desperation. I've got to the point now in my life and ministry of saying, God, you've just got to do it. You've got to do it. I mean, it's, I know it's dangerous to give God time limits. But when God gives us a time limit, then that's going to work. 
And I've had experienced revival because God gave us a time limit. It had to happen by a certain time. Let me tell you, that kept us focused. That really kept us focused. Because we knew that we could not fulfill what God was calling us to unless that reviving power of the Holy Spirit came upon us within the time limit that God set us. Now, I'm not saying that these three weeks are a time limit. Far from it. I believe that that this is going to be the entrance into an ongoing move of the Spirit that is going to gather momentum over the coming months and years. Thank you for your affirmation and agreement with that. It's good to be united in faith, isn't it? (laughs) Hallelujah. But I do believe that God is saying this is the opportunity. These three weeks is the opportunity for us to move into that relationship with the Father that is essential for the fulfilling of his purpose to see multitudes come out of darkness into light. To come from under the the fatherhood of Satan into the fatherhood of God. And the only thing that we can do if we understand this to be the purpose of God is to give ourselves as wholeheartedly, completely and absolutely as we can. And you see, you don't do that by focusing on yourself. You do that by focusing on him. How surrendered are you to Jesus? Well, how much of your focus is on him? That actually answers the question for you. So whether we talk about a focus on Jesus or a focus on the Father, because the Father and he are one, ultimately it comes to the same thing. But you see there's a difference as I'm... I just mentioned last night, when you focus on the Father, you're focusing on relationship of love. When you focus on Jesus, you're talking about submission to the authority and the lordship of Christ. So this is why I believe God wants us to have the Father in our focus and to realize that what the Father is doing is drawing us into that close relationship with him whereby we are living in the Holy of Holies, not visiting it when we pray. And I'm not going to talk about revival now, but actually that is what it is like when you're living in revival. It is like living in that heavenly Holy of Holies. has to be a sovereign work of God. Nothing that anybody could create for themselves. But you see, it has to be our passionate desire. Not to do that as an end in itself, but because God's call is for us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth and the leaven in the lump. And we can only do that effectively by that being in that place 
of absolute surrender to him. And that's much more, isn't it, than making acts of surrender. It's living out a life of surrender to him. And the good thing about having three weeks like this is that for that period of time, we really will be more focused than we would be otherwise on being in that place of surrender to him, of taking hold of him, of that inheritance that we have in him as the sons of God. Because we realize we're nothing, so there's no point in focusing on ourselves because that's going to accomplish nothing. But the only way in which we're going to see the purposes of God accomplished is by him filling our lives, really. But he only fills our lives in the way that he wants when he is the focus, when this is our desire, when this is what we want. And it's got nothing to do, really, with determining how God is then going to use us. You would have no idea, really, as to how that's going to work out until that real release, we call it breakthrough and breakout, doesn't matter what you call it, it's something that has to happen. But it's something in which, you see, we then live. It's not just an event. We're talking about God's life breaking out in our lives in a continuous way. Not just an event or not just in a limited period of time because we're seeking God. So, beloved ones, this is where nobody can help you except the Holy Spirit. This is where you have to really cry out to God from your heart for the Spirit to enable, for the Spirit to really bring you to that point of true surrender to the purpose of God. Oh, I know, we often think you're there and then God does a number on you and you realize you're nowhere near the full surrender that he really wants. So there's going to be more and more of that, but it's not going to happen, you see, by looking at ourselves, but only by looking at at, at the Lord and seeing ourselves in his light in the light that he shines into our hearts and lives. The wonderful thing is that because he tells us to put the focus on the Father, everything but everything that he does in our lives in these next few weeks and beyond, of course, but everything that he does is going to be done in love. Everything is going to lead to a greater revelation of his love and therefore will give us a much greater love for others, including a love for the lost, including a willingness to be used by God in whatever way he chooses to see his kingdom come 
and his will done on earth as in heaven. So don't worry about what is happening in the lives of other people around you. It's much easier to meet with God, to encounter God in a corporate context than it is simply on your own. But even within that corporate context, it's what goes on between the Father and you that really matters. All he wants to do is to love you, is to show you his love, how great that love is, and how he wants that love to impact your life in a much fuller way than you've ever known. And when that happens, you see, you will love God like you've never loved him before. You love Jesus like never before. You will love the Holy Spirit like never before. You'll love your brothers and sisters like never before. You'll have a passion for the lost like never before. All the fruit of the love of God in you. So let's all stand and Hallelujah. So let's right at the beginning sort of state our position. In and of ourselves, we are nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from him, it's impossible for us to glorify the Father or to fulfill his purposes. Let us state clearly that through his love and mercy and grace, he has made us the sons of God. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. Satan is no longer our father. That God is our father. We are his children. We are his possession. He has purchased us with the blood of his son. And we belong entirely, 100% and exclusively to him. We do not belong to ourselves. We don't belong to a husband, a wife, a children. Friends, we belong exclusively to the Lord who has purchased us. For the outworking of his will and purpose. There's another sense in which we belong at a family level, but first and foremost, we belong to the one who's paid for us with his blood. So this is where we stand now. With Jesus Christ 
as our holiness, our righteousness, our redemption, our salvation. Where we stand now is with Christ in us, the hope of glory. As those who belong to the heavenly holy of holies, who have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, All those truths we don't have to pray about. We simply have to believe and live in the good of them because all those things are already true for us. And as we stand before the Lord this morning, we pray his words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as in heaven, in my life, in kingdom faith, in the 25-mile radius, in this nation, in the other nations to which we belong. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as in heaven. So now comes that point of surrender to the will of God, to the will of the Father, to the purpose of God. This is not the bless me syndrome. This is Lord take me. Use me. To fulfill your kingdom purposes. In whatever way is right. To fulfill your call upon my life. That's your starting point. From that starting point, you will now progress. This week, 21 days and beyond. So just focus on the Father, you can't see the Father. John makes this very clear. You can see Jesus, you get visions of Jesus. But John says in his first epistle, no one has ever seen God as he is. When, when you do see him as he is, you will, you will be transformed into his likeness. But we can see Jesus, the mediator between God and man. And so we obey the word to fix our eyes on Jesus, not ourselves. Because we know it's only in the name of Jesus that we can fulfill God's call upon our lives, upon his church.
So let's do as Jesus says in that prayer and begin by praising him for his holiness. And then just go on praying for his kingdom and his will to be outworked in your life, submitting to the sovereign rule and reign of Jesus more wholeheartedly perhaps than ever before, not by looking at yourself, but by looking at him, drawing near to him. Jesus is the way. He's opened up the way for you to live close to him. Not to visit him in the prayer time, but to live close to him. So we praise you, Lord. We bless you. Hallelujah. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Praise your holy name. Father. Koralabaka sandalia leto papapara sandaluma. O papapara sandalia leto papaparia leto papaparasitari santala. Poparia leto papapara sandaria leto papapacala sitari santum. O papaparia leto papacala sotari santum. Bastacalaria leto papaparia lenda pacola sotari santum. O hallelujah. Sarabatoria leto papapara sandaria lenda. Papara sandaria leto papapacala sitari sandaria lena masunta. Papaparia leto papapacala zotari sandaria leto papapacala sitari sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pora la basundaria leto papapara sandaria lenama. Pora taparia leto papacala sitari sandaria lenama papacala zunta. Hallelujah. Just keep pouring out your heart of love towards him. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your will be done in my life. Have to start with yourself, don't you? Papapara Zandarama. Oh, hallelujah. So that I can fulfill the destiny to which you've called me. Praise your holy name, Lord. Hallelujah. Let me just pause you for a moment because I just want to share something with you that, that God showed me a few days ago. That when you seek him, as we will be doing during these three weeks, you don't seek him for yourself. That you actually carry within you all those who will be blessed through you in the coming years. All that fruitfulness is there within you only as potential at this moment. But you are seeking God not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of all those 
whose lives are going to be touched and marked by God through your love, through your witness, through your prayer. So it's not just a personal thing for ourselves, you see. This is where the motive has to be right. Even for the lost souls that at this moment are living in darkness, those lost souls that will actually come into the light through you are potentially there within you, even as you seek God. And the Lord showed me it was like this for Jesus. You see, when he went to the cross, he had within him every sinner for whom he was dying. He wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it in obedience to the Father. But he was surrendering himself for the benefit of all those that through his death would receive salvation. He's doing it for all mankind. So you carry within you all those who are going to be blessed through you. And God wants there to be many, many people. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's just praise him. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to lives of fruitfulness, lives of abundance. Not just abundance for ourselves, but abundant fruitfulness for your glory. Abundant fruitfulness for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that what you do in our lives during these coming weeks is going to bless a multitude of people over the coming years. Countless numbers are going to come into your kingdom. Countless numbers are going to be delivered from darkness. Countless numbers are going to, uh, to come under your sovereign rule and reign. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that they're all there, potentially within us, even at this moment. Even as we seek your face. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura tapari aleto papapakala sandarama. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Kura tapari aleto papapara sandarama. Thank you, Jesus. Kotapia. Papapari aleto papakala sitari sandarama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Savior. Don't be afraid to let God hear your voice. Don't shut the prayer up within you. Let it out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Para la basandaria leto papara sandala masinama. 
papapara sandalia leto papapakala sitri santo. More of you, Lord. Papapara sandalia lenoma. More of you. I need so much more of you in my life. So much more of your life flowing through my life. Pora la pasandaria leto papapakalasina. Oh, papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria leto papapakalasita di santo. More of you, Jesus. More of you, Father. More of you, Holy Spirit. More of you, more of you, Lord. Much, much more of you. Pora la pasandaria leto papapara sandaria leto papapakalasina. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sito di sandano. O papapara sandaria leto papapara sato karasito di sandano. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sito di sandano. O mamamara sandaria leto papapara sataria leto papapara sandara pasindano. O papapara leto papapakala sito di sandaria leto papapakala sindano. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sito di sandano. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sito di sandano. O papapara sandaria leto Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura la pasandaria leto papapapara sandaria lenoma. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sita di sandama. Baratabaria leto papapakala sandarama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Papapara sandaria leto papapakala sita di lenoma. Papapara sandaria leto papapakala sinama. Papapara sandaria leto papapara sinama. Kura la basandaria leto papapara sita di sandama. Papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria leto papapakala sinama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sita di sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Sotoria leto papapara sandaria lenoma. Oh Lord, 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 Tora Bataria leto papapakalazinoma. Oh Lord, 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 Tora Bakalama. Father, 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 Father. More of your love, Lord. More of your love, Father. More of your love. Sora la basandaria leto papapara sandama. Oh, papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria leto papapakalazinoma. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sinama. Pura taparia leto papapara sandaria leto papapakala sita di sandama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sita di sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria lenama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sindamarandama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sindamarandama. O papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria leto papapakala sindamarandama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sindamarandama. 
O papapara zandaria leto papapara zadari zandaria leto papapakala zidari zandari. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Kora laba zandaria leto papapakala zandari. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Torah batarama. We believe it's your purpose that we encounter you in your love tonight and throughout these coming weeks. Oh, Lord, that you impart to your children more and more of yourself, that more and more of your life, of your love, of your power will be seen in our lives as a result. And, Lord, we come to you as those vessels that only you can fill, thanking you for the precious gift of your Holy Spirit, thanking you that you want to keep pouring out your life and your love into our hearts by your Spirit. We just give you the glory, Lord, that you never come to the end of your giving. Oh, Lord, that you, you became poor, you shared the poverty of our humanity, that we might be rich. And, Lord, we thank you that you want us to be rich in love, rich in your life, rich in the anointing, rich, Lord, in the things that you are able to accomplish in us and through us for the glory and praise of your holy name. Oh, Lord, thank you that your purpose during these three weeks is to enrich the body here, to enrich every member of the body here, spiritually and in every other way. And we give you all the glory and honor and praise. Oh, come on, let's pray down the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit. O papapara sandaria leto papapara sandarama. O papapara sandaria leto papapara sandarama. O Holy Spirit, tarabatoria leto papapara sandaria lenama. O papapara sandaria leto papapara sitri sandarama. O papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sandarama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sitri sandarama. O papapara papapakala sitri sandaria lero papapara sandana O papapapapakala sandaria lena papapapara sandana Pura tapadia leto papapara satapadia lero papapara sandana O papapara sandaria lero papapara satapakala O papapara sandaria lero papapara sandaria lena O papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria lenama. Kokakaria leto papapara sanduma. Pasta galaria leto papapara sanduma. O papapara sandaria lenama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sinama. O Lord, Lord, Lord. Lord, may we hunger after you. Just be so hungry for more of you in our lives. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Oh, hallelujah. Before we finish this session, just thank the Lord that he has made you one with him in his love.
because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Papa para sandalia leto, papa para sandalia leno. Oh, papa para leto, papa kala sandalia leto, papa para zino. Oh, my father, my father, my father. Oh, father, 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 father. Thank you for the precious gift of your spirit, Lord. Thank you for the inheritance that I have in Christ. I praise you, Lord. I praise you. I bless you. Father, I thank you. With all my heart, I thank you. Be glorified in my life, Lord. Be glorified in my life. Be glorified, Lord. Be glorified. Let your spirit so be at work in me that you are glorified, that you're honored, that you're praised, that you're blessed. Produce in me, Lord, the fruit that only you can produce for the glory, honor, and praise of your holy name. Thank you, Lord, that we no longer belong to the spirit of this world, but we belong to the spirit of God, and the spirit of God belongs to us. And we praise you and we bless you. We thank you that you have delivered us and saved us, Lord, from what the world counts dear so that we may live for what you count dear, for what is precious and holy and honorable in your sight. And we just give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. Come on, let's really praise God. Bless you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Oh, come on. Let's really just have a release of real praise for the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're confident, not in ourselves, but in you, that you have your plan and your purpose and carry it out, you will. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Come on, let's have a great shout of praise for Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 